Welcome to the dark forest Jackie and her pals will never bore us Shameless confessions about our obsessions Will make us laugh and smile So let's explore the dark forest And dark down for a while Hi, it's me, Jackie Cation Welcome to the dark forest Let's do the credits Patrick Brady's going to fix this audio and video because that's what he's like. Uh, Vilmo's still working on the uh, on the website. He does the Jackie Cation store website. I just had it redone by Promotional Rescue, uh, Melanie VC, but PromotionalRescue.com did the new website. Uh, Vilmo still does the store website, JackieCationStore.com. All you can go to JackieCation.com and see whatever you'd like. Uh, me doing stand-up, where I'm doing stand-up. Please come out and see live shows. You can see the new special. You can see the new um, old videos. You can see, uh, you can get merch if you want. There's a Dork Forest t-shirt. There's a new beanie because uh, I have a new joke about bees. And so there'll be a new t-shirt. And uh, for the holidays, you can indeed uh, get yourself uh, t-shirts or uh, hats or anything like that. It, it is November and December, so I ask that you do not donate to the Dork Forest. Normally, I say donate to the Dork Forest as much as you'd like. But in November and December, take that money and donate locally to a food bank in your neighborhood. So feedingamerica.org is a way that you can look up uh, your local food bank. Um, you just put your zip code in. You could also Google the words food bank and the name of your town. And that's what I recommend you do globally too. If you're in uh, Australia or uh, Europe or Africa or South America, wherever you are, please, uh, Iceland. Uh, I have listeners all over the world, you guys. So Patrick Brady, Mike Rickberg, that's why I forgot. Mike Rickberg wrote and sang the intro song. He will sing the uh, Mexican hat dance at the end of the program. And there's lots of episodes. So feel free to scroll back through dorkforest.com. You could uh, check out my Tumblr account. There is a Facebook group called Dork Forest Rangers. Um, but my Tumblr account has essentially the fan favorites of the shows for the last 18 years. And um, no, I don't think it's actually the whole 18 years because the first three years were poorly recorded. And uh, so if you go to bandcamp.thedorkforest.com, you can see uh, I curated that first uh, three years into 17 of my favorite episodes. There's also a storytelling album on my band camp. And there is um, just some loose episodes that you can buy for a dollar. I think that were live anyway, a lot of information. Let's get into the show. Hello and welcome to my garage Rangers of the dork forest. We have a returning guest uh, and I appreciate her so much, even though I forgot to get, all of the it's, it's your TikTok, which is blowing me away currently. But uh, Virginia Jones, welcome back to the program. Thank you. What's the handle? You, oh, it's it's Badinia, B-A-D-I-N-I-A. That is where you can find my TikTok and my Insta and my website and just every dang thing. Every dang thing at Badinia. So which is interesting because when I type Virginia, uh, I often fight uh, type uh Badinia. Uh, Badin yeah. Right. That's the typo because of uh, how because of, because of quirky, that. because of the mm -hmm. way uh, keyboards are set up. <laughs> Nerd. 
Keyboard nerd. Welcome back to the program. You're at a comedy festival, I believe. Virginia coming Jones. To you, coming to you live from Portland, Oregon uh, at the Ha Ha Harvest Comedy Festival. We are finishing up. And then I have one more show tomorrow. There's just free bird show. In town. Uh, in town. Mm-hmm. And then it's very funny. Very grateful, first of all. It's very nice to be featured in a festival and flown in and got a hotel room and paid and all that stuff. That's great. But they did, you know, they booked my flights and they were like, well, it was cheaper to just fly you home on Tuesday. So that's when you're coming. I'm like, all right. Oh, they're like, oh, so you're yeah. in for another two days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just chilling. Just well, boots but up. Did they have, did, did they cover the hotel? Did the festival cover the hotel? Okay, I need you to repeat it because I lost it. Oh, there you go. Uh, did the uh, c- did the did they cover the hotel? They did. Um, the, and, they did. Uh, well, I, in the, in I don't the, understand the, the how it's cheaper. Are, no, it couldn't possibly cheaper be cheaper. Yeah. No, uh, uh, the hotel art is a boat sailboat. It's the only oh. hotel art in here, but it's very nice. I have a living room. I have a turntable. It's all very important. That seems great. It's. Uh, are you staying at that weird hotel that uh, is attached to uh, like an old Bridgetown? Uh, okay, so that Ace Hotel has become the Jupiter Hotel. Right. And this Ace Hotel is the downtown Ace Hotel that is not attached to a bar where you will hear noise till three o'clock in the morning. Sure. Do, so it, do they, sometimes they give you head, they give you earplugs. Yeah, we got your, we got, we're covered. We're covered in all things. So it's been really Portland. Yeah. It's been really Portland. It's been really fun. It's been a minute since I've been back. Uh, nice to see people. Uh, Ron Lynch, Lizzie Cooperman here, all fine folks. Oh, that's we're a fun, that's a, a fun lineup. Time. And then you did you it last year. Did I? Well, someone said, yeah, last year we had Jackie Cation and they were telling great stories about your uh, accomplishments and well, uh, wonderfulness. Good Maybe for it me. was two years ago. Turns out it's a blur. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'll go to Portland any time of the day or night. They uh, it, Literally, I was thinking about Powell's. I was across, and, I'm across uh, the street. Powell's, Powell's is right there. I can see it from my window. It's right there. You guys... Mm-hmm. If you haven't been to Portland, and there's no way to not be told if you go to Portland to go to Powell's, but it is literally, I think, my favorite bookstore in the country. Just because of organizationally, you can find whatever you want. Mm -hmm. It has a coffee shop, always a plus, and it has staff that is just everywhere. There's staff. Well read and really. Yeah, they're everywhere. They're well-read they're, and helpful. So, and it's not that I don't like the Strand, except for the Strand is not as well-organized, uh, just possibly because it's bigger. God knows. But uh, they have money. They could organize it. The Strand uh, is more I of like an adventure. Alien. I think, yeah, I think, the, I think New York likes things to be a little bit ramshackle. That's just how they prefer it. Well, and I like uh, the Iliad here. I love a great deal. Um, mm-hmm. But... It can, and they have just uh, expanded and rearranged. And so, as much as I love, yeah, they don't have. They literally don't have a romance section, which the which uh, Powell's does, yeah. because 
there and there's a new thing happening in romance. I might want to do my own fucking uh, mm. dork forest, Jackie, because I've already taken up five minutes of yours. So uh, <laughs> tell me, no, tell me about the new thing in romance. Uh, there's a thing called mass paperback size, and then there's trade paperback size. Uh, romance, westerns, horror, mysteries uh, are often done in mass paperback size. Uh, uh, and they fit in the racks in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Trade paperback, mysteries have gone. There's a lot more mysteries in trade paperback now. And, um, but horror and westerns still, still rocking a ma- mass paperback. And now they're moving romance into mass paperback. Hmm. I think because of the success of Bridgerton, the TV show, um, people don't like to be seen reading a romance novel. I get that. Been there, been right. lived it, got over it, just, and still to some extent will fold the, the cover back because. Right. You it's just like don't want when you, people to know that you're horny on the bus. Exactly. No one wants to know my horn job uh, activities. When if you're watching porn on the airport, put right. the blinders up. I don't want. I don't want to see it. So, um, but it's hard to judge a book by its cover. If you if the covers are changed, and <laughs> by, quite honestly, <laughs> I've kind of perfected judging a book by its cover in the romance novel genre. Though I will say. And we just keep talking about me, Virginia. <laughs> uh, first 10 minutes. Just Jackie talking about romance novels. Because for some reason, I tend to read them in spates, like sort mm-hmm. of. And I'm in a I, I'm in a place. I'm in a place right now where I'm reading a lot of romance novels. And they sell them in grocery stores and drugstores because of old timey reasons of finance. Um, they were first released in grocery stores because they were written by women for women about women. And that's where um, women were. And that's where women were. And that's where women could hide biting them, buying them because it could be worked into the grocery budget. And so um, you can still find them at grocery stores and, and drug stores. It's great. And uh, I bought one at a, at a Rite Aid. I don't know which Rite Aid, but whatever it was, it turns out it was a historical romance, which is my jam, often a Regency romance set between the late 1700s and about 1820, also my jam. Um, it was a, a, it was, and I think I explained this to Lori at one point in the, in the other podcast I'm in, but uh, it was about a trans woman. Oh, wow. And what is great about romance novels, especially historical romance novels, the acknowledgement that everybody was there. All the people were there. All the people have always been there. Right? All the people have always been there. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was, there were always gays. There were the gays were there, you guys, back in the day. The trans were there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I read it and it wasn't my porn. Right. But it was fascinating. And. Uh, pretty well written. So, um, so it was funny. Like there was, uh, it, a romance novel does not have to be super funny to be funny. It's sort of like when you hear right. your boss. It's just enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's when you hear somebody who isn't supposed to be funny, be funny. It makes you laugh. It's, it's like a, the Southwest, the Southwest airlines people. Yes. Wouldn't, wouldn't kill in the clubs in the plane. It's great. <laughs> 
in the plane. Um, I I've laughed at many a Southwest uh, yeah. announcement. Yes. Uh, on the Regency tip, I'm going through. Speaking of spates, I am in a big Jane Austen reread. Oh, that's interesting. I'm, I'm doing it all. I'm doing Mansfield Park. I'm doing the big ones. I'm doing the little ones. I'm doing wow. Emma. Uh, and so all of my life now is just women in Ampere waist dresses running from room to room, wondering if someone's <laughs> going to propose to them. And it's wonderful. Item one, Mr. Darcy is my ideal man. I will accept nothing less. Interesting. Item two, Jane, Dar- Jane Austen is so funny. Like, I laugh out loud reading her. Right, right. Because she's so dry and so mean sometimes. It's snarky, dr- snarky. dry, and it comes... You know, she's been described, by the way, in the historical romances that I've read, because she is often referenced in many of, of these books, because, of course, these are she, these are romance novels. They are. And they are not historical romance novels. They are contemporary romance novels. Yes. She was writing the Harlequin romance of its time. And uh, and she was fucking nailing it yeah. because but they're referenced sometimes as how uh, people because the reviews of Jane Austen when Jane Austen wrote were they were successful but they weren't wildly successful until after her death. She didn't make a lot of money. Uh she made okay money at near the end of her death, but she spent most of her life traveling because she was a single lady. She mm. couldn't have her own household. So oh, she wow. had to travel to different relatives and live with them for months at time at a time. And um but she was described as uh, essentially you, pe- people would describe her writing as, well, they're about people we know. It's just yes. like rich people writing about rich people, except for she was rich, but she wasn't she independent. She was rich, rich. Right. right. Yeah. She wasn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She didn't have her own estate. Meow, meow. But yeah, it, it is definitely it's 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 the ultimate rich people problems books oh like, very much the so pe- the people who they're feeling so bad for they're like and can you believe she only has five thousand pounds a year to live on my god what does she live in the stables uh, yeah. <laughs> right when the average income of someone in the in england at that time was about 18 to 20 pounds a year right and so if he has five thousand pounds a year things are going well but like from a feminist standpoint you know, people like you, you can make fun of the Jane Austen novels because everyone's so worried about getting married. But like like you say, you could not live independently. You could not have a house. You you couldn't work. I was just right. not on the table for you at, at, your, at your rank, you know, in social class. Like this was the only way they were going to move out of their parents' house. That was right. The only way to get away from your parents and your brothers mm-hmm. was to literally right. put your hands into some other dude's hands. And yeah. <laughs> And, uh, but at least it was a dude that you might want to touch. Yeah. And, uh, a couple of years and, uh, anyway. For a couple of years. Right. <laughs> you guys, so we started out real briefly <laughs> with a little Jane Austen romance novel dork out. Mm-hmm. And, um, Maria Bamford, by the way, read an amazing book that she told me she would lend to me and then gave it away. But, yes, oh, oh don't think I'm not bitter. And, uh, so, but it was about, uh, how Jane Austen and other writers and how women made money back in that time. Mm. So it was a very interesting book. I would love to tell you the, t- the, the name of it and the author. Uh, we'll try to get back to you. 
by the time we're in the notes. One time I was yes. talking to uh, Maria's very funny, very wonderful husband, Scott. And uh, he said, we were talking about David Bowie, who, as you know, is also an interest for me. Oh, yes. That's a previous and episode he, of The Dark Forest. That's right. And um, he said, I just read a really awesome biography of Bowie where they interviewed a bunch of his like friends and family members and everybody he's ever been in a band with. And he, and he, he said but I don't know if Maria's already put it in the giveaway box. And like, there was real fear in his eyes. He's like, he's like <laughs> I want it. He's like, let me go see if I still have it. And and he did retrieve it and it was fantastic. But like, yes, oh, as soon as the book is completed, it goes in the little, in the little free library. It's oh, just yeah. a constant. Yeah. Yeah. Constant movement. Uh, have you ever been Dan Brown? Have you heard that joke of hers? Cause she's got <laughs> <Yes>. the, uh, <laughs> so the free library. She's like, have you ever been Dan Brown? Uh, throw well, away your own trash. Okay. Uh, <laughs> there's there's a couple free libraries in my neighborhood, and one of them is my favorite. And I'm going to tell the shortest version of this because I do want to talk about other stuff. But so I've got the real, real um, on Silver Lake Reservoir. There's the real, real white lady one, and it's a lot of books about how to decenter uh, ourselves from racial conversations. And there's cookbooks and there's decorating books. Okay. Okay. That's always there. But it's how to the, be an anti-racist cookbooks and decorating books. Yes. Oh, that really speaks to a very specific, a very specific. Yes. yes. Uh, yoga books. It's the rich white ladies <laughs> of Silver Lake. That's their box. Then there's another one that frequently has super weird art books, super weird music books, Jackie, sometimes uh, publishers galleys of super weird books. Oh, Wow. And I became, I became, I found a postcard in one book and it had a person's name on it. And I'm like, well, I have to figure out who is putting these books in this library. <laughs> Cause you want to be friends or I just want to know, like, like, yeah, exactly. I, not necessarily cause I want to meet this person or hang out with this person, but I just, yeah, I just want to, I want to solve the mystery because it's like, it's clearly from, it's, it's from one person's collection, a lot of LA comedy books. Um, but I found a postcard in one book and it said, oh, Tosh, I thought you would enjoy this. And I'm like, well, that's not a very common name. And then I was watching, uh, and then I found a book on Sparks, which is a very weird band and it's a very weird book and I enjoyed it very much. <laughs> and then I was watching the documentary that Edgar Wright did about Sparks one of the interview interviewees is a guy, Tosh Berman. I'm like, this is Tosh Berman's box. And I was right. He lives in Silver Lake. He, uh, he has a publishing house, like a small, like art publishing house. Yeah. I solved a little Nancy Drew mystery. <laughs> I'm so pleased with myself. Yes. And, uh, and that guy listens to this podcast and we'd like to say Tosh. Hi, Tosh. Berman. Uh, hi. And uh, yeah, you're uh, you're being monitored as far as what you. What you, you <laughs> it Gosh, turns out I loved everything. The Momus books are so good. Whatever whatever you've enjoyed and then passed on to people, mm -hmm. uh, are appreciated by one Virginia Jones. <laughs> uh, okay, now here's your dorkdom, which I didn't know existed. That the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy TV series. It's uh, my dorkdom is the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. End of sentence. All of it. TV, oh, there you go. Radio, book, movie, 
uh, Infocom interactive fiction game. Did you know that? No. No, I did not know that. So in the beginning. uh, In the beginning. In the beginning. My dad, when the books, uh, when Hitchhiker's Guide made a big splash in the States in the early 1980s, when I was alive, um, my dad brought home Hitchhiker's Guide and the Restaurant at the End of the Universe, the first and second books in the trilogy that eventually became five books. Right. Uh, which is not what a trilogy is really supposed to be. No, no. And he knew it. He knew it, Douglas <laughs> Adams. He knew it. And so my dad, I think I was nine or ten, maybe, maybe a little bit older. And my dad said, um, I'm going to read one. You're going to read the other. Uh, whoever what? wins. He's like, he's like, he just gave me this book. And he's like, we're going to read these. And then whoever finishes it first takes the other person out for ice cream. But honestly, it was always going to be him because I didn't have any money. But uh, right. <laughs> right. You were a child. <laughs> I was a child. But so uh, and like a lot of people with extremely weird uh, relationships with their dads, I imprinted on this book like a baby duck. <laughs> and I've read it a million times. I've read everything ancillary to it. I've listened to the, the, the BBC radio shows. I've even survived watching the television show everything and i just it keeps getting richer and more amazing and and like i have a big dorkdom about douglas adams in general but but it's easy to say did you read La- last chance to see did you read last chance to yes see? that is one of my favorite that is one of my favorite books of his I, last chance I, to see is a book i did not of- see him uh mm-hmm. do a reading but i was in the bookstore but we couldn't see him because it was packed I met him. Uh, Last Chance to See is one of my favorite books. I'm also a animal rights person and vegan, vegan person. I believe you're a vegan person. Yes. You, so, you know good vegan restaurants, which is they're even better and better every time I go out. I'm like, this is less and less like not food every time. When yeah. I like vegetables, I, we don't have to yeah. make everything like yams don't have to have the consistency of shrimp. But good for you. Good for you. So, um, so the, that book is also a big influence on my life. But so for the listener, last chance to see was uh, Douglas Adams traveling the world with David Carradine, Cowardine, and um, <laughs> documenting animals that are very rare and like and uh, who are dwindling down. And many of them right. are officially extinct now. Yeah. Um, I was that book in, was written, I think, in the in the middle nineties, published, yeah. Yeah. and. Uh, the kakapo, they can't find a whole lot of kakapo. Uh, when I was in Yangtze in China, I asked people about the Yangtze River dolphin, and they're like, effectively, no, he, he's not he's not around. So Douglas Adams, super amazing thinker, super into tech, super into nature. Um, and I, I met him one time uh, when I was probably 15. Um, he was touring with uh, one of the Dirk Gently books. Ah, not as good for me. I love the Hitchhiker's Girl Gently. I think the first one was good, and that first was one's about really it. Good. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, uh, and the Dirk Gently, I, 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 I remember them with less fondness. But honestly, every time I reread them, they get a little bit better, especially oh, that good. first one. Um, oh, good. The the I will say like the Salmon of Doubt, like some of the post mortem books where that are assembled out of notes. It's kind of like when Netflix uh, made the, uh, the the season of Arrested Development. It's like, here's like a pastiche of things you like about something you liked. It's fine. 
<laughs> you know. Okay. Uh, that's an excellent review of all things that have been rebooted. And you're like, yeah. that actually wasn't. It's almost what I loved it, about it, Futurama. It's almost, exactly. It's almost yes. the flavor. It has the smell of it. It has the appearance. But it's, yeah, maybe it's like a hologram. It's like there's just not a lot of depth to it. Right. So let's talk Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which, by the way, was first published in 1979. Mm -hmm. I was 14 mm -hmm. and I read it, I think, about two years later, uh, three years later. But when I was time. still into sarcasm, you really you there's a window. If you haven't read it, you might think to yourself, I get it. It's sarcastic. But if you didn't know a lot about sarcasm and it was the greatest book in the world because right. it was so good, I think. And, yeah. and it's and it's a very British kind of dry sarcasm. I mean, it's not unlike, uh, you know, Jane Austen, I would say. <laughs> there's there's right. through lines it's a there. Glimpse. It's a glimpse. It's a glimpse into a different society for sure. But, you know, uh, Douglas Adams was a, also a giant sci-fi head and, and person. And uh, and uh, this is this is the first uh, attributed to be the first comedy sci-fi, the first melding of those things. Because okay. pre sci-fi was always very serious. Oh, my God. I love Dune. But yes, uh, yes. so serious. Literally very dry. Um, <laughs> you the, guys, uh, that's a desert joke. Arrakis <laughs> spice. And <laughs> So, uh, so my first little nugget of, of fun is that the concept of the Hitchhiker's Guide itself is a parody of um, Isaac Asimov's uh, Encyclopedia Galactica from oh. the Foundation novels. Oh my God! You of that, course it, seems it very is. Obvious. Of course it is. Oh my God! I did. Thank you. <laughs> wow, that's huge. I read the Foundation novels probably 15 years after I'd read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and I liked them. Yeah. But I did not know that. What else you got? I, I, um, I don't want to. Well, well, in like, in like a, a good sci-fi, of course, like predicts the future. And I think the Hitchhiker's Guide itself, that's a Kindle. Like, in what way is that not a Kindle? You know? Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> And many, you know what? And so many things are in the zeitgeist now that are yeah, from that right. book, from people who've never read it, maybe even right. never even heard of it. But one of the things I got out of the first reading was the thing about not being afraid if I thought you couldn't see me. <laughs> uh, and mm -hmm. like, I can see you, but if I can't see you, I can't possibly be afraid. Can't of you. be seen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and like, and that's baby logic, right? Like uh, babies think we all have the same awareness. <laughs> like there's, there's a moment in your development. Like if, if mom comes in the, in the room and hides a set of keys in the couch and leaves and dad comes in the room, the baby thinks that dad knows what the baby knows because they right. don't understand the separation of people. So that theory is, I think very much a baby theory. If I can't see you, you can't see me and I'm not in danger. Uh, I can't. Right. <laughs> if, couldn't if possibly. I, if, if, I, I don't recommend you do it with a bear, but maybe, no. maybe, maybe you put a towel over your head. Always <laughs> have a towel <laughs> and see what happens. Maybe the bear won't notice you because you will no longer see the bear. One of my favorite concepts is actually uh, it's from one of the later novels. Um, someone else's problem. Uh, things that are invisible to you because they're not your fucking problem. <laughs> 
And, and like, uh, that's, that concept has served me very well in life. You know, people sometimes will try to give you their problems and you're like, this isn't, this isn't mine and I can't see it. Uh, <laughs> and, but I wish you the best of luck. Yeah. Um, so and, let's in, talk, in let's a, talk theory. Oh, let's talk references in the mass culture. So, um, a lot of musicians, a lot of British musicians, shocker have Hitchhiker's Guide references. I think the most famous one is Radiohead's uh, Paranoid Android, which is about your Marvin. Marvin, um, the paranoid android, the most Marvin depressed the android uh, who was right there at the restaurant at the end of the universe. Mm-hmm. But he was also there <laughs> on the improbability drive. Uh, wasn't he on the... The yeah, ship? they always find they they always find a way to stick Marvin back in there as a as a grim uh, foil <laughs> for Zephod Beeblebrox's mindless optimism. Um, <laughs> and uh, but like Coldplay has a couple songs uh, named after um, they have a song called Forty Two, and the band Level Forty Two also oh. Hitchhiker's Guide reference. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. 42 is a number used in lost. Okay. And, and in a really nice meld, the X-Files Fort Mul- Fox Mulder lives in apartment 42. I also love the X-Files. So okay. That could be a future a episode. Nice- Andy loved the X-Files. I never watched the X-Files, uh, but I understand that there was a lot of shipping going on about mm-hmm. the X-Files a and, whole lot. uh, yeah whole lot people really wanted those two people to do it that was my first shipping actually that was my first online ship reading experience okay was all manner of combinations of people (laughs) from the x-files uh because it was it was it was pretty popular uh okay so now coldplay also has a song called don't panic and of course don't panic the crummiest one is that uh elon musk sent a uh tesla into space with don't panic written on the dashboard. Right. Uh, Elon Musk is probably my age, maybe a little bit older. And he, he must've hit a very, he probably read this exactly the correct time as well, but didn't get sort of the positive messages, messages of Arthur Dent, you know, Arthur Dent, I don't know. That's sort of the quintessential loser. Yeah. But by the time he learns to fly, I think he's amazing, quite honestly. Yes. No, and, and, and the, the, the book, yeah, he develops quite a lot as a character. Um, I don't know if anybody else does, right? <laughs> no, I don't, uh, probably not. The, I do like, there's, there's several things like 42 being the answer to the universe and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can only know the answer or the question. Right. And that is all. And if you, yeah. Right. If you Google what is the answer to life, the universe and everything. Google will show you 42. Like in a, not but just if, in, a, in a result, it will give you a calculator and it says 42. It's very funny. That is very funny. Uh, but if you Google, what is the question? Yeah. You will not get an answer because Douglas Adams did not tell us because he had told us the answer. Right. He could not give us the question. In well, what the, would be the what would be the fun in that? 
There's no fun in that. The, uh, and philosophically, philosophically, it's kind of huge that he doesn't even pretend to, because previous science fiction mm-hmm. will, they will yes. tell you the answer. They will tell you the question. They'll tell you their opinion and they'll let you know all of it. And that doesn't, uh, I don't mean that in a belittling way, thoroughly loved a canticle for Leibowitz. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, which I was wondering, do you think Zaphod Beeblebrox was uh, based on the the final character in Canticle for Leibowitz? That is an interesting question. Because remember at the end, there is a mutant who has mm-hmm. a second, who has a baby mm-hmm. grown out of him. And that baby, spoiler alert, Canticle for Leibowitz lovers, is Jesus. Uh, other, let's see, things that influenced Douglas Adams. Yeah, let's go that way. Um, so the whole thing was supposed to be, he was writing for Doctor Who. And all right. these all the ideas that went into Hitchhikers were kind of rejected from Doctor Who as being a little not <laughs> Doctor Who-ish. You know? What? That is yeah. so great. That's the origin story of the whole thing. Because Doctor Who was occasionally very funny. Mm-hmm. But yeah. not but not was absurd. not comedy. Right. And not comedy right. science fiction. Right. So huh. Yeah. Um so I had another amazing point to make about it. Before you make that point, I'm ready. let's find out if they're is an ad. There could be an ad here. Let's find out for a, mo- a quick second. Mm-hmm. Was there one? And if there was, were you interested? Write us and well, let us know. Let me know, Jackie at Jackie Cation, to let me know if there was an ad there. Spotify just puts them in. I don't have a lot of say. So hopefully they're not gross. Okay, bye. Uh, what was a, you had a profound thought? I thought I would interrupt you in the middle well, of it. No, uh, uh, you were talking about that his his humor is a lot of snark, and that's absolutely true. But the other, look, the, the deeper thing of his writing that took me a long time to to grok is, and it and it was actually the movie that taught me this, because the movie they had to put a lot of other stuff and like move things around and find characters from other bits and pieces, um, but. Uh, that's hard to make a movie. Like it was in development forever. Like right. originally, like it really Hugh was. Laurie was supposed to be Arthur. Um, people have died who were supposed to be, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it, but when I saw the movie, I'm like, Oh, it's because the book is just like, the plot is just enough to string together these amazing settings and happenstances and stories. The plot itself is thin as paper. Nothing happens really. Right. You know? Right. It's, it's just not- a day of the life of a bunch of people in space. Yeah. It's just it's just ways to like ways to go from like one amazing, hilarious, ironic story to another and like with very lavish descriptions. That's really uh what it is. Um he did say later on he was sorry that Trillian wasn't a stronger character. Um, she doesn't yes, get to do we're much. All, we're all sorry that there aren't enough black characters and everything, and women are marginalized. Right. But that's because but, we're all raised. What? What is it? Somebody else's problem. 
Yes. It was somebody else. I mean, you know, he was a, he was a, he was an upper crust, uh, Cambridge guy. Um, I, I think he generally liked women, but I, I don't think it occurred to him at that time that they should do it anything just, besides. And literally yeah. civilization moves very, very slowly. That white woman mm-hmm. in Silver Lake is doing good work. Uh, she's with, doing her, her best. with her tiny. Yeah. She's genuinely trying to learn to be an anti-racist. Yes. Um, uh, my favorite music trivia and this okay. one gets weird is uh <laughs> there's a band called the damned so this is where the the gothic punk crossover is there's a band called the damned the lead singer dresses like a vampire you all know it um <laughs> but they're also british but on uh one of their early records machine gun etiquette uh at the end of smash it up there is a loop yes. of Peter Jones from the television, the, the author from the television series saying nibbled to death by it in a copy over and over again. Wow. That is a real deep cut. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Okay. So many questions. Uh, okay. Not enough. The answers. Damned, the vampires, yeah. the, uh, the album, the song, we keep going lower and lower into the dungeon. And then where was Nibble to Death? That does sound vaguely familiar. And I've read the book several times, but I can't I remember where that was, was. I don't know that it was in the book. I think it may have just been in the TV series. It's not everything. Okay. Not everything right. was everywhere. Not a, um, right. They, they, they patchworked and added. Right. Did you? I, I don't mean to, to sidetrack you here because I have to say that I love the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I own the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved it because I thought it had a really good heart and it was also mm-hmm. very funny and sweet. It was not as funny as the first time I read the book. No. But I was also, it was, a you know, 20 years later, right? It was also, yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of things, there's a lot of things that are f- Funnier written, I think, than than shown, like eccentric at Columbus. I don't know why she was so big. I mean, uh, I did like the movie. I do like the movie. I have seen okay. it several times. The last time I saw it, I was waiting for mushrooms to kick in. That's a pretty good place to watch <laughs> The Peckers Guide. You know, just uh, take some time. I thought very great performances. Um, and yeah, cute, funny, uh, enjoyable. But, Very enjoyable, yeah. But 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 you understand why it took so long to make, like so long to yes. make because it's just it's not that movie ish. Uh, at some right. point, Johnny Depp was going to be Zaphod Beeblebrox, uh, huh. which would have been very strange. Uh, yeah, Robert Downey Jr. was considered. Hmm. Um, Will Ferrell, which I don't think I would like. Nope. No, Will Ferrell. Me personally. Yeah. It's, you know, I don't know if you ever saw essentially the Mexican Blazing Saddles that Will Ferrell um, produced, directed, started. And it was a Casa. (laughs) It was, it's, my Spanish is non-existent, you guys. Uh, It involves ordering a burrito. And so allow me to do Will Ferrell and look it up. Casa, it's a movie. Casa Mi Padre. Casa de Mi Padre. And Casa de Mi Padre is almost a perfect movie with, I, I, again, 
we've weeded off here, but Will Ferrell plays the lead mm-hmm. in in Casa de, de Mi Padre. And I thought that that was the only problem with it. It was almost a perfect <laughs> movie. Right. Because, Except for it happened I, to star Will Ferrell. Well, he was too old. And um, and he's kind of too big. He was. He felt like it felt right. like it ought to have been more a younger man and and possibly Mexican. <laughs> why not? That why might, not that? Why not that? Why not that? That felt hmm. like it was. I'm sure he meant to, but it was somebody else's problem. So uh, I'll be using that over and over again throughout this entire. Okay. Uh, now, in in Joan's family lore, uh, Blazing Saddles was also something my father really like got me into, and my childhood nickname, Froggy, is from the bath scene with Hedley Lamar. Uh, <laughs> my father called me that for many many years. Uh, oh, Jim Carrey was also in early days a possible Zaphod Beeblebrox. I think he would have been great. He would have been great, I think. Who did eventually play Zaphod Beeblebrox? Sam Rockwell. Oh, and he was great, actually. And he was great. He was Sam great. Rockwell, great in everything. Just give him, let him dance, and it will be great. Yes. Um, okay, people who were considered to play Ford Prefects. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Dan Aykroyd was in the running in the 80s hmm. um, and uh, when this movie was kind of percolating first. was first optioned um, but he uh, he sent the in talking to the group he sent them his idea for Ghostbusters and then that movie was made instead so Hitchhiker's oh, Guide actually s- lost out to Ghostbusters which is also fine Fine. Fine uh, there's 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 other great fun weird movies mm-hmm. in the world, and Ghostbusters is one of them. I, I I would posit that the reboot, the current reboot of Ghostbusters, is actually quite nice with the children, and uh, and there's a sequel coming up which I have not seen. Um the the Lady Ghostbusters that everybody got so upset about, um, I really loved, and uh, oh, I like that as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, but. A, a relevant news like thing is in my neighborhood of Silver Lake on Halloween. I saw a little girl, maybe 10 dressed as a ghostbuster. And I nearly cried. Yes. In the middle of the street. It was so good. Oh, uh, yeah. Love it. Representation is important. You guys cost it. Yeah, it turns out. <laughs> so, um, uh, here's some, here's some deep triv about, so, uh, the earth is, uh, referred to in maps as, um, sector ZZ9, uh, like plural Z alpha. I'm fucking it up. One, that was the Douglas Adams fan, the fan group named themselves that, but oh. ZZ9, uh, the code is in England it's someone with no fixed abode. That's the code they use in postal stuff. Oh. And so, um, uh, so Trillian and Arthur are both like ZZ nine is part of the thing because they don't have a home anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. It's gone. It's, it's been blown up away. because of a, a bypass, a bypass. Um, but uh, oh, other cultural things. I mean, this is getting to be a little bit older 
Uh, but the but Alta Vista used to have the language engine Babelfish. Oh, did um, they? And of course, Babelfish is named after Tower of Babel. But then other things were named. I after always Babelfish. said Babel. Is I am I wrong? I think the Tower of Babel, Babylon. Well, maybe that's it. Because it was from Babylon. I've probably said it both ways. Well, you could see, we can see it from both sides now. <laughs> um, That's me doing some lyrics, you guys. I have some yeah. musical knowledge. She's nowhere near Virginia of, Jones. She's got a yeah. handful of musical knowledge. You uh, get oh. a chance, by the way. I want you to go to Badinia, B-A-D-I-N-I-A. Uh, I want you to do that on TikTok and watch some real deep cuts. It's like it's like watching a two minute episode of the Dork Forest uh, mm-hmm. when all of a sudden. With graphics, by the way. I mean, this is on YouTube. <laughs> but she has figured out a way to use the green screen behind her on the TikTok. Yeah, I, I don't you. know how to do it. It's fine. You know, TikTok, actually, um, I did Ron Lynch's show last night, Crapshoot. And uh, so for people who have not seen it, which is a couple people, I guess, um, it's, it's a, a show where... Uh, there's a bunch of characters and crazy things happen. And there's a game show element. And the only instructions you get from Ron are no stand-up. He books stand-ups on the show, but then you oh. cannot cannot do stand-up. stand-up. He's not interested in it. And for the most part on his show, <laughs> he's, he's not interested. You know what? I've seen that. I've seen that in person where Ron, interest, Ron Lynch is not interested in stand-up comedy. Not interested comedy. in stand-up, no. Yeah. Um, and, but I, I, I put together a character, and it was very improv oriented and i really think that two years of writing single person sketch on tiktok has really helped me like yeah because that's have, what it is it's single person sketch yeah it's amazing yeah uh okay you'll like this one dorks okay saddle up and saddle many people up. have figured this out on their own but the borg uh resistance is futile is inspired by the vogons resistance is useless Oh, really? Let's get trekky with it. Yeah, that that's that seems uh, a bore. The the cricket people, right? Are you talking the, about the? Oh the, no, the Borgon are the, are the, the Borg poets. Are the, the Borg. Oh well, the no, Borgons no, are the in, poets. That's yes, it. The green people who uh, blow up the earth. The very terrible poets who are kind of rubbery. I thought the Vogons looked great in the movie. I, that's yeah. exactly what a Vogon was in my head. I'm like, yes, that's and they it. and they are and they are the people who blew up the earth. Now, yes. what are the name of the people who invented cricket? Oh, uh, well, their planet. When was they cricket. see the oh, the planet was called cricket, and I think that they were just people of cricket. I okay, be because the, they, cricket, it was all clouds. I K K I T. Yeah. Ah, there we go. And then yeah. uh, the clouds go away. They see the rest of the universe and they say, it's going to have to go. It's going to have to go. We don't like it. Yeah. yeah, because they yeah they were not bothered by it until the moment they became aware that it existed. Okay, now I want to go one step deeper. I want to go one step deeper. So I'm Gen X. You're Gen X. We're Gen X. We're old as shit, right? Yeah. Gen X. We've been X. alive for a million years. And we've been we've been rebellious every step of the way. We will not be told. <laughs> right. We are human is what you're saying. Go. Yes. Right. But um, so Gen X remembers 
uh, before your fancy newfangled video games, um, sometimes you would play an interactive fiction game on the computer. And oh, wait, like the, the games where you had to type? You're talking yes. about typing? The typing your Zorks, games? your adventures. I did a Lord of the Rings one. I died every time next to Old Man Willow. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so Douglas Tom Adams- Bombadil never came. Anyway, go. <laughs> so Douglas Adams, he was a super, I mean, he was literally a nerd. He, he uh, bought the first Apple computer sold in the UK um, and uh, Stephen Fry bought the second. And <laughs> oh, uh, literally the first. Okay. The first and the second. Yeah, literally the first. And um, so he was always interested in telling stories in different ways. Uh, and so he made a, an interactive fiction uh, game out of Hitchhiker's Guide, uh, which is incredibly deep, intricate, and difficult. Like, I never ever. Right. I played it. I played it during lockdown. I replayed it during lockdown because what the oh, fuck else are you going to do? Why not? Why not? That was, it was the time. Yeah. Yeah. And it made a, a lot of things made a lot more sense to me than they did when I was a kid. But I played a lot of interactive fiction games. I played a lot of Zork um, and was really in, like I'm. It was kind of weird. Like when when they started getting graphics and stuff, I'm like, I like it the old way when it was just reading. Oh, good. But, well, talk to me briefly about how yeah. the, how he did this. Like, are yeah. you do you play Arthur Dent? Um, yes, you play Arthur Dent. You wake up. You have a hangover. You become aware that there is a bulldozer in your yard. And it goes from there. And the, okay. the, the eventual goal is to get yeah. a, a cup of tea. That's what you need to do. That's oh, the wow. end of the game. But a lot of things have to happen before that. And it's it's like you can't to get other, a cup of tea when you go to the bar to complain about the bulldozer. Well, you can't get a cup Ford of tea Prefect? there, Jackie, because if you get a cup of tea there and you don't drink two beers, your body is not cushioned enough to survive the transfer to the Vogon ship and you uh, fall into a million atoms. Sorry. Oh, well, thank you. It's because uh, what happens is Ford Prefect shows up. Mm-hmm. And you have to hook, and he says, uh, he says, I have to he, talk to you about something right away. So yeah, it, it and very then much he, follows and the Ford plot Prefect of the book, but then there's a lot to of save other stuff. Arthur Dent. This is an interesting. I'm pausing because you're like you're twist. Freezing. Yeah. And you're freezing up a little bit too, but, uh, yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, she's probably talking. Eh, you can talk. It's uh so, but t- tell me about like the different scenes in the text video game actually i kind of want to how far did you get oh i've solved it uh because jackie i cheated okay walk through you're not wrong walk through i love it i mean i what i like to do with the games is i spend a good couple of months farting around but then in the (laughs) end i do want to solve it and usually I'm not going to have the patience to do that without help. And I just feel that this helps me enjoy all the facets of the game. I am consuming it, right? I right. will do the puzzles, but yeah, I might need help. So I did do a walkthrough. It was very enjoyable. I got much, much further than I did than I was when I was 12. Oh, um, yeah. 
Sure. But, but one of the things I like about it is that he didn't just give them the novel and say, go crazy. Like he wrote it. Okay. And so it, it's very much his flavor. There's new jokes, new stuff happens. Um, and also he also liked other interactive fiction games. So there is a reference in the, the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to Adventure, the first interactive fiction game. Because there, there's, a, there's a part in Adventure. It's pretty early in the game. Uh, you're in a maze of qu- twisty passages all alike. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you make these turns and turns. And uh, it keeps telling you you're in a maze of, of twisting passages. And they all look alike to you. And you're like, well, it's just saying the same thing. But there's tiny differences that's the only way you're going to get out. And when Douglas Adams did it, um, he said, uh, you, there's nothing you can taste, nothing you can see, nothing you can hear, nothing you can feel, nothing you can smell. You do not even know who you are. And then that's his bit. But it's the same, it's the same kind of puzzle. I like, oh, I like wow. that. Okay. Yeah, that's amazing. But um, uh, to, to finish the game, if anybody – sorry, it was a spoiler alert for a, a, a 40-year-old game. <laughs> To finish the game, you have to be able to hold uh, an idea of a thing and a not idea of a thing at the same time, and that busts the computer that keeps you out of a room. Like, it blows the computer's mind, and that's how you do it. It's and wonderful. What I mean, I've played a couple of these different games. What are they called okay. as a genre? Again, Interactive fiction. Interactive fiction games, because now you make me want to go and do that Lord of the Rings game again yeah. and find the walkthrough because yes. I want to know what, what I the- did wrong. Yeah. Right. What, else, what other games have you played in that genre? It was uh, that Lord of the Rings ones. I also played uh, a, a Mac game that was you were a doctor. Mm-hmm. So you had, there was some graphics, there was some pixelated graphics where you had to use the mouse and do an appendectomy. And uh-huh. I always killed the patient. Always. <laughs> well, and, that's a good yeah. way to find out you shouldn't be a doctor. Good way to find out that a mouse isn't a sensitive enough object uh, <laughs> to, uh, right. to do so, a yeah, thing. It yeah. was, first it was all text. And then we went to the ones where there was some graphics. I played yep. a I played an X-Files interactive fiction game crossover again that had occasionally a grainy photo of an alien autopsy. Okay. Um, did not <laughs> fix – I did not solve that one. Did not care enough to do a walkthrough. Fair enough. Did not Fair care. enough. It's – But, um, yeah. And then it was the – and then it was the graphic games where you were on an adventure and you would just, like, take your cursor over every part of the screen until you found, like, the mushroom that had a fairy in it or whatever. <laughs> well, uh, d- uh, Dungeon of Doom – was a Mac mm-hmm. classic game. Mm-hmm. It had, uh, I had two mags of RAM in, uh, in my Mac classic, as I like to call it, both mags of RAM. All, all two. All yes. two. And then, but Dungeons of Doom, it's now available. I mean, you can get it uh, to play on just as a, a thing online, but, uh, but it was, it had, gr- it had text on the side and then it was just a bird's eye view yeah. of, uh, a, a dungeon. And so, and it, and there were, you would find these scrolls that had hints. And one of the hints was the 40th level is death. 
and find the orb and all these things. And uh, so you'd go up, you'd go up, you'd fight monsters, you'd eat food, you'd fight monsters, you'd find uh, better weapons and all the things that you want to in a game. You would get, you would find out what the names of the monsters were in the tiny text thing next to you. Mm-hmm. You'd get to the 40th level, somewhere between the 39th and the 40th level. You wouldn't know that you picked it up, but you have been given an orb. And huh. once you've been given an orb, the wizard shows up because he'd like his fucking orb back. At which point you didn't know what to do, or I didn't know what to do for a long time. So then I fa- finally figured out that I, you have to run back down 39 st- oh, sets wow. of stairs. Yeah. And the orb allows you to leave the dungeon. And that's there is always win. There is always an element of like a reasonable person would not bother to do this <laughs> but maybe that's what makes the text games what they are um the he did another one he was involved with another one called uh leather goddesses of phobos that was also funny and also full of jokes that i did not get as a child um of phobos yeah how are you spelling that that's spelled p-h-o-b-o-s wouldn't have gone there wouldn't have gone there with the PA. <laughs> wouldn't have guessed. Wouldn't have guessed that. Uh, but yeah, I, I I played a lot of those things, and the fact that he did one was it was not my first, it was not my last, but it was uh, a very rich experience for for me. Uh, the first interactive fiction game, uh, text based that I played, was a game called Dracula on the TI ninety nine four A. Okay. Ooh, 4A. And that was, it was a game console that almost was a home computer. Almost. Almost. You could do, you could write basic on it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you could make a bunch of things appear on a bunch of screens, but I think it had about eight gigs of memory. And so in order to play this game, you had to at one point plug a tape player into the computer and play the, that's in war games yes and it goes here here yeah and talks computer talk yep. yep uh and that comes back then then dracula i have to tell you something about the damned so um the damned were the first uh uk punk band to release a single um they beat the clash uh oh and uh davanian um, the lead singer just decided that he was a vampire and he had like a white streak in his hair and is a very, and is still a very fetching gentleman. A very oh, at, fetching the, at this late date, he's still very handsome. Oh yes. Yes. Very okay. handsome. Okay. Um, and, uh, I believe I, he may live in Southern California. His wife, her family's from Downey, she, Patricia Morrison. She's also a very great musician, but so, um, when the damned formed, uh, you know, punk was all over London. And then you have Bauhaus that are kind of a post-punk band. They were basically like a gothic uh, glam band is what I understand now. Okay. Um, and at one point, uh, Dave Vanian tried to fight the lead singer of Bauhaus, Peter Murphy, because he said, I'm already doing the vampire thing. <laughs> I'm already doing it. You cannot also do it. But what he I didn't call- know... 
I called this. I called this punk rock vampire thing, but he didn't know that there was room for everybody to be a vampire, and it was God. Oh, so many vampires now. Vampires available, available to absolutely yeah. to babies, to the elderly. Everybody's Gail Carriger. Do you know her? No. She writes a. Uh, she's been on the program. She's a. She's a delight. Quite honestly, uh, she has written. The Parasol Protectorate was the name of the first series of hers that I read. Mm-hmm. And they're YA novels. And they're, mm-hmm. um, the Parasol Protectorate is about essentially, uh, it's a steampunk world that has vampires and werewolves and all the things. Fine. But they're integrated into society. And the vampires mm-hmm. are very powerful because they're very old and they've had time to accumulate some shit and some power. And they're also kind of scary. And the werewolves are also very powerful. They have clans because they, they travel in packs. And uh, the Parasol Protectorate is essentially, it's a dirigible school, dirigible school, a school on a, on a big floating balloon that mm-hmm. teaches uh, young women how to go out into society uh, and also poison. Uh, so okay. All it's right. pretty great. It's pretty great. Yeah, it she, sounds like a she, lot of fun. Yeah, and she has, and there's, she addresses a lot of different social issues that that are, because that is the point and purpose of all science fiction, of all comic books, of all mysteries and horror and, and all the things. It's a chance for other people to have voices to talk about what is good or bad about society and what could use some work. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, do you ever think about werewolves? And of course, you know, they would travel in packs. Do you ever think that coyotes are just dogs that didn't sell out? Oh, the selling out of coyotes. There is a, I think it's called Sharp Teeth. It mm. is. Oh, yeah. uh, a, have you read that one? Yes. Or heard about that one? It's in, it's in an open prose. Mm-hmm. And um, Andy read it and then kind of insisted that I read it. Sometimes Mary uh, just like that. Uh, Toby Barlow is the author and I believe it's called Sharp Teeth. Yeah, it is. And it's about a uh, a bunch of uh, were- were dogs who play cards and live in Altadena, I think. And uh, they travel the Los Angeles area, not really solving crime. <laughs> But getting into they they get into They're a mystery. Adventures, yeah. They have adventures and they get into some sort of mystery they don't want any part of. They're just yeah. trying to live their lives. Yeah. Uh, but you know, there's a lot of good stuff out there, you guys. Pretty fun, pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's your favorite vampire movie? Um, I don't like them. Okay. Uh, I'll tell you, I once saw the, because uh, they scare me, I once saw the comedy vampire movie, which was. Uh, once Bitten? Uh uh-uh. uh. Jim Carrey? It was, no, no, it was actually supposedly a comedy, but it was genuinely terrifying. Okay. Uh, and it was, uh, it was about the shooting of Dracula. It was a movie within a movie. Yes. And Eddie Azard is in it. Uh, what is it called? 
And it's called Shadow of the Vampire. Is that That's what it is? That's it. It's called Thank Shadow you. of the Vampire. Ding, ding, ding. I was told. There are scary moments in it. There are scary. There's I was scary. told that it was a comedy. And <laughs> I did not sleep that night. That's right. Oh my gosh. And I still think about it. Uh, so <laughs> a huge lightweight when okay. it comes to tension yes. and scariness. Uh, I st- have never read another book besides o- A Prayer for Owen Maney okay. because uh, that guy is a very good writer and creates a great deal of tension that I don't want any part of. Can't handle it. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I did see I, Cider House Rules, though. Okay. Oh, I, I, now, a lot of people, like, because you're goth, people are like, well, obviously you love um, Disney and horror mil- movies, and I don't like either of those things. Oh, interesting. Um, but, but because I can't handle gore. I love ah. tension. I love, and I love, and I will watch pretty much any vampire movie but okay but if it's too gory i cannot like when the, the the green room where um captain picard is running a uh, group of meth-fueled nazis in small town oregon uh i i didn't sleep i like stood trembling in my kitchen afterwards because it was just so it was very well done it was a very right. good movie so visceral cannot mm. handle but i find that vampire movies sometimes are a little more like it's a little more subtle like it's it's like it's like uh you know people are you can tell people are having sex because they have a slip on like you know something's happening but it's it's sometimes a little more it's, a, it's not as graphic. Some subtlety oh fair enough right. fair enough you like a subtle vampire film but okay. um yeah uh, uh i but i think the interesting thing the the, the vampire story is well, i mean it's the story of the addict right um, and I think oh, that's okay. one thing that makes it very sexy, right? They have, they, there's something that they need to live, but it's also to me, a story about how life, th- that life is too long. Right. What do you do after you've read all of the, uh, diary of a wimpy kid books, you know, what right. do you do? Like, right. You're like, is there anything else on Netflix? And you yes. can't, you can't like uh, literally people joke about how they've watched everything on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you had watched everything on literally Netflix. watched everything on Netflix. Yeah. What would you be? What would you even be doing there? Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's like it's I'm bored of life now and I haven't even made it to a hundred yet. Exactly. Early days, early days. Let me say this, Virginia Jones. It's been an hour. This okay. has been fascinating. We got to have you back on a little more often. Uh, you guys, we've I discussed, uh, yeah, Virginia Jones, stand-up comic, Badinia, B-A-D-I-N-I-A, correct? Yep. And uh, so go find her doing stand-up comedy. Watch her TikTok. Uh, just throw cash at her next time you see her. And uh, and be supportive. So thank you so much for doing the show, Virginia. Thank you, Jackie. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. Hi, Adal. How was the show? Well, it was with Virginia Jones, and it's a real classic. Ooh. We discussed several of the the iterations of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, well, I love that. Yes, she read it when she was a child, mm. like ten or eleven. Okay, when her father gave the, <laughs> it was like, she, how did she put it? She said. I got Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. He got Restaurant at the End of the Universe. And they started reading them at the same time. 
<laughs> right? He must have already read Hitchhiker's Guide to the have. Galaxy. He must have. Right, because he said, whoever finishes first owes the other one ice cream. Oh. And she said, the way that worked was he always bought ice cream because he was the adult in that situation. Right, right, uh, right. She was 10. But so she read it and she loved it. And so... Actually, the first, I would say, 10 minutes, we discussed Jane Austen. Oh, really? Yeah, she's taken to kind of a deep dive what's into the, Jane Austen. So besides, I mean, besides the besides Virginia Jones, who's what's the connection between Jane Austen and... Uh... It's in the zeitgeist, it turns out. <laughs> later, la- later, we sort of hammered together how that sort of flowed. Right, maybe some it irony. It... I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right, dry sarcasm, dry sarcasm, dry sarcasm, some British humor. Except British humor. That's exactly how we hammered together that uh, the, the fact that they that they linked it all. Um, she did, and then so it was Jane Austen, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which led to interactive fiction games. Okay, which she played a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy interaction fiction game. Well, it was one of the first, and it was so hard. Yes. And it turns out the purpose of it, she told me two different things about the purpose of it. The purpose of it was, is that you drink a cup of tea. Yes. Uninterrupted. And the other one was that you hold two thoughts, separate thoughts together simultaneously. Okay. (laughs) And I was like, well, hot. Because I told her the one interactive game I ever played was the Lord of the Rings one. Mm -hmm. And I always was killed by old man Willow. I never made it. Tom Bombadil never shows up. Right. And she she said that she looked, she actually cheated and went to the walkthrough. Like she played it for months. Right, right, right. If it was the original one, the, the old uh, uh, Infocom uh, one. I believe so. I believe so. Infocom, I think, maybe. I don't remember now, actually. That, that may be wrong. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, there's, it's, it's really, really hard. And if you don't make the right choices at the begin, towards the beginning of the game, you will yeah. you will lose at the end of the game and not know why. Right. Well, I told her. I said, "Well, why can't you just get a cup of coffee when you go to the pub when Ford Prefect shows up?" And she goes, "Well," and then she explained something very science sounded scientific mm. uh, about how all your atoms just dissolve. <laughs> Because you haven't had the two beers first. Right. And uh, so. Yeah, yeah. You got to slam the beers. Otherwise, yeah. Slam the beers. And that, that, yeah. Was, that was true in the books. It was true in the books. And then her other thing was um, she talked about how it was integrated into in, in how it's out in the world. Like she talked about a punk band called The Damned. Okay. I don't I've, know if you're familiar with their work. I have heard of them. I don't I I couldn't tell you what I, I don't know that I've heard anything by them, but I've heard of them. Well, let me say, Rangers of the Dork Forest who have just listened to this show she's very, know and, a little and, bit more about the dam. And she's pretty gothy. She's super gothy. So there was talk of vampires and goth as well. <laughs> and um the uh, but the damned, I guess, had several references to um and the hitchhikers. And, uh, to hitchhikers okay. and the hitchhikers, the the don't panic, the the hitchhikers guide in the hitchhikers guide to the galaxy right. was actually based on the book that's in the foundation series. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's, and that's she, a series and, of books that I've been meaning to read for all of my life. Oh, I read it. It's uh, it's not bad. Okay, you know it, it it's been hacked so bad that it's hard to. I don't want to raise any expectations because the world has raised expectations. Right. Right. And um, and then the Borg, 
uh, the the cricket, uh, you know, cricket who sees the sky and they go, it's going to have to go, the the planet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they said resistance is useless, and uh, the speculation is is resistance is futile. It was taken from that. Oh okay. So. Uh, it was actually, it was full of little nuggets like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Virginia Jones, of course, always, always fun to talk to oh, yeah. and super smart. Super smart. And her TikTok is amazing. Mm-hmm, yep. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, it's Bedinia at Bedinia everywhere. B-A-D-I-N-I-A. Right. It's Virginia, but with bad, bad. And whenever I type Virginia, mm-hmm. the V is right next to the, it, for some reason I end up typing Oh, Virginia. Yeah. But Virginia. <laughs> Virginia. So she just went with Virginia, I guess. And but it was super fun. It makes me want to play some interactive uh fiction game and and or at least watch the walkthrough of Lord of the Rings and see where I went wrong. <laughs> <See where>? <laughs> <laughs> right, you could do that. <laughs> if you do play, I will give you the spoiler alert if you do end up playing the old uh uh Hitchhiker's Guide game. Um make sure you put the babble fish in your ear. Oh, right, right. Otherwise, you're doomed. One would imagine. Right. If you don't, um, if you don't put the towel over the drain pipe, the babble <laughs> fish will go down the drain, and you will not have a chance to put the babble fish in your ear. Okay. And do you think the babble fish was also from Star Trek with Khan and the one, the no. one eel that was native? Okay. No, no, predated oh, yeah. it. Oh, did it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because did Khan come up before 1979? Because that's when Hitchhikers was was written, published. Right. No, uh, Khan is later. Right. So I thought Khan might have taken it from Hitchhikers. No, no, no. Khan got got it from earwigs. Those things that okay. that are called earwigs, and they look exactly like those things in the <laughs> in the movie, <laughs> except much smaller. I want everything to be linked. It turns out the ankle bone is connected to the shin bone. Right. Well, right. What I like to say at the end of these little bonuses mm. is I love you. Aw, and I love you. All right. That's convenient. Uh, Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay. Oh, my God. We, why don't we just call that as the end of the show?